Welcome to the Get Emergent Podcast. On our Driving Leadership episodes, you'll witness conversations with leaders from all walks of life and learn about what drives them to lead. You'll hear about their leadership development, current challenges that face them and their organizations, and stories about leadership. I'm Bill Berthel, and my desire to demystify leadership and have real conversation with leaders is what drives me. Joining today is Matt Massengill, canine operations and co-founder of Leashes of Valor. Matt, welcome. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm really excited about this conversation with you today, Matt. First of all, I love the work you do. I know we're going to dig into that deeper, but quickly tell our listeners about Leashes of Valor. It's such a wonderful organization. So Leashes of Valor was founded in 2017 by three veterans, Denise Massengill, Jason Haig, and myself. We had worked for several other organizations and finally decided that we wanted to get, make a go of it by ourselves so we had more control for the betterment of veterans. And so far, we are just getting better and better every year. And, you know, I'm very excited about the help that we're providing to disabled veterans. So, Matt, first of all, thank you for your service as a veteran. Thank you. Thank you for you're your You're very service. welcome. What is it you're doing to support veterans? So, Leashes of Valor makes so me we, you're doing something with dogs. So it absolutely is. Awesome. The reason we chose Leashes of Valor, we didn't want to be like everyone else. Even in our logo, you know, it is a dog's head, but we didn't want to do the stereotypical wounded vet in there. Mm. We just wanted to stand apart from everyone else. And I think we're doing that in the industry. But we provide service dogs to wounded and disabled veterans. Our criteria for coming into our program is a diagnosis. Doesn't matter if it's a civilian doctor or through the VA of traumatic brain injury, military sexual trauma, PTSD, or mobility. So those are our four. Wow, that's really cool work. And it's a not-for-profit organization? We are not-for-profit and the three founders don't take a cent. Yeah, awesome. Well, I'm going to ask our listeners to go to your website, check you guys out, leashesofvalor.org. There's an opportunity to donate, an opportunity to check out the dogs. Um, you guys got some really cool merchandise there, too, of which I'm going to tell you, my son lives in his hat, his Leashes of Valor <laughs> hat that he has. He loves that hat. So cool stuff there. He's um, not the only one, but it's much appreciated. <laughs> it is. It's great stuff. But it, I want to really understand the leadership in your organization. And it's our full intention to have this as part one of a two-part podcast, two episodes, I'm excited to talk with um, your business partner and your wife as well. But from the canine operations perspective and as a co-founder, tell me what's your big why? Why do you do what you do, Matt? So I think I pretty much do what I do because I've lost several friends to suicide mm. and I don't want to see that happen. Yeah, I know that I was in that dark place. Jason and Danique were both in those places. I just don't see a reason to do that because the finality of it all, mm. your family never gets that answer. I don't care if you leave a letter. I don't care if you talk to someone prior to committing that act. Everyone's just left out in the ether forever. And it doesn't have to be that way. You're not alone. People love you. And you just need help and you just need to ask for it and we'll be there for you. Hmm. Wow. That's a strong, 
strong motivation, a strong drive. Uh, thank you. I, I know what companionship I have in my dog. Talk about the service you're providing these veterans. So our dogs are specifically task trained and alert trained. We do it for nightmare alerts. We do it for panic attacks hmm. and anxiety. We train the dog specifically to the veteran with their telltale, whether it's rapidly tapping their leg or rubbing their face or spinning their wedding ring. We train the dog to that. So the dog will focus on that and then tap them either on their foot or gently use their muzzle to get their attention, which gets them out of the mind set that they're in uh, so they can focus on themselves and not the ugly place that they were drifting to. Yeah. And as far as the nightmare alert, The dog will literally climb up on top of you in bed to wake you so that you are not in that repetitive cycle. It was so beneficial to me. I kept a nightmare journal when I got my service dog Dozer for 270 days. And of those 270 days, he woke me up from 243 nightmares, which allowed me to get out of the zombie-like state I was in, mm-hmm. start talking to my doctors, reducing my medications, and be a lot more in the now for my family. What an amazing story, personally, and the service provided there. These dogs become a catalyst to the veteran's ongoing healing or therapy, is what I'm hearing. Correct. There's no way I could describe to you how many different times Dozer has <laughs> helped or mitigated a problem that I had in my life. Yeah. Wow. You're a dog behavioralist. Is that accurate? I mean, I'm a dog trainer who has a lot of insight into the dog behavioral side. And in my company, aside from being the director on the canine side, when we have a dog that has a behavioral problem, that's my focus. Very cool. Okay. Got it. Got it. Take me on your leadership path. You're a co-founder of this organization, You've had 20-some years in the military, right? In the Navy? Yeah. 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 Take our listeners on your leadership path. My 21 years in the Navy, you know, I worked myself up through the ranks. I wound up in the middle of the pack when I wound up retiring, but that was more of an indication that I was solely focused on my career and not promotion-led or based. I spent a lot of my career doing independent type stuff, jobs, boats, small crews. It wasn't until the end of my career when I had, you know, probably 50, 60 junior sailors working for me and answering to the senior leadership that way. One of the things I've never had a problem doing is making a decision. Mm -hmm. So I've always fit in well, you know, being assertive and getting things done. I'm, you know, mission oriented. So that's usually my form of leadership. However, you know, I'm all for listening to people who work for me, their opinions and, you know, their moans and gripes, but, you know, constructive yes. moans and gripes, because that's how we get to the end goal and we get there constructively to help people out. So, and to help ourselves. Uh, so that's basically my foundation. And in this environment that I'm in now, I have, you know, two people on my canine side amongst 
employees. And then I have probably 21 to 25 fosters at any given time Hmm. that have one of our dogs and they direct report to me as well. However, that's a completely different dynamic because they don't work for me. They're volunteering their generous time. Yes. And, you know, I'm very open-minded now far more than I was when I was younger in my career uh, doing what I did, but it's, it's been very rewarding. I just try my hardest to take in all the information and make the best uniform decision uh, for the betterment of our nonprofit and everybody in it. I appreciate that. I'm curious. I have to imagine there are lessons you learn from people that you apply to the dogs. There's probably less really rich lessons you learn from the dogs that you could apply to people. Like, go there for me. What What do you see? In so, this? yeah, human beings are very different. Obviously, everybody has their own opinion, their likes, their dislikes. It is more challenging for me, from a human standpoint to find that happy middle ground than it is with a dog. Hmm. So dogs, you know, they have their things that they want and they like. They need food, water, shelter, comfort. Hmm. Some dogs don't need comfort, but those are not the dogs we work with. Those are usually the aggressive dogs that I spent the early part of my career training and learning from a behavior standpoint, what makes them tick, why they're aggressive. Some dogs, you do know that in the in the real world, we make them that way to do law enforcement and military work and, and so on. Mm-hmm. But in the service dog industry, you know, we need friendly and kind and sweet and nurturing and, you know, constructively driven to do their job to help their partner. Mm. So that's where, where we are. And from a, the difference between humans and dogs is night and day. Humans need a lot more interaction, feedback, and so on. Although constructive feedback with dogs is critical. Dogs are just a lot more simple in their needs and wants. Thank you. Thank you for that. What challenges you in your field and in your leadership, in your, if you call it an industry, in your, in your work? What challenges are you facing? Everyone in the service dog industry or in the dog world has an attrition rate. Not all dogs work. Dogs get sick just like humans, mm. although they mask it better and you have to discover it sometimes. You know, they'll avoid showing you pain and discomfort because they just want to please. So, in our industry, it's usually 40 to 50% attrition rate amongst dogs that you take into your programs. So that it's a, it's a very big challenge. Yeah. Because our training goes for 18 months to two years, starting usually around eight weeks or whatever age we take them as a rescue. So that's one of the biggest challenges, finding people like-minded to your end goal. I'm not even talking about loyalty. I'm just talking about, you know, people who are like-minded and share in the passion that you have. It's not always a requirement, but it it usually is, is beneficial to your program and and to your organization. And there are plenty of people out there that, you know, are obviously loving animal owners and want to get into this industry. So I would say finding great like-minded people is a very challenging part of our industry and ensuring that you, you know, assess and evaluate the right dogs 
to help you in your chances of providing a service dog at any given time. Those are two of the biggest ones. Yeah, absolutely. Not too unlike other organizations that share sometimes their staffing challenges or finding talent or the people that are aligned with the mission of the organization. Yeah, absolutely. Just curious, where do you find those people? Recruiting for this space just intrigues me. So it's not that complicated, actually. We have people who word of mouth, Hmm. friends of friends, emails, sure, uh, our site, Google, you name it. That's usually how they come in. The dog world, like most places that we've all seen in life, are very small. And so it's not hard to stumble into them. So some of our listeners could possibly be a future foster. They absolutely. Um, It's really dependent on distance from where we are located. Yes. Because obviously, periodically, I need to train the foster so they can progress with the dog. I need to do a home visit and so on. So it. It's a little involved, but it's not that bad. Geography matters a little bit here, right? It really does. (laughs) It really does. Absolutely. Oh, cool. So, Matt, I I often ask our guests in this space for some advice, for some leadership advice. Our listeners are always uh, intrigued to learn more about organizations and leadership motivations and styles. But if you got really direct with us what few pieces maybe three pieces of advice you'd have for our listeners considering leadership my number one rule is don't be afraid to make a decision and in my world that applies to the well-being of the dog the well-being of the veteran i'm their advocates Mm -hmm. so to speak when they're in our family and they are from the moment they sign up and come and get their dog and number two is Please listen to the people that work for you and take all of that in. You may come to a different conclusion, but you should always have as much information as possible. And the people on the ground are always your biggest asset Mm -hmm. when it comes to doing that. Sure. And the other one is don't be afraid to fail. So long as you're consciously making a good decision, you should not put anything or anyone at risk. And, you know, if you fail at that, that's how we learn. Yeah. You can't move forward by being a victor all the time. There are failures in real life that we all learn from so that we become better people and we can move forward. Matt, thank you. Thank you uh, for your time and your energy today. And thank you for your continued service, both to the veterans and these dogs that I'm sure you're creating wonderful homes, relationships, and connections for both. Thank you. Thank you very much. I I can't thank you enough for having me on and and letting me uh, talk about our program and our products that we put out to our veterans. Listen for more episodes of Driving Leadership right here on the Get Emergent podcast, where we'll continue the conversations with a new leader every month. And come back for more leadership content with Cindy Massengill and Ralph Simone, where they discuss real leadership challenges in a practical and relatable format.